Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Joe McCormick. My regular co-host Robert Lamb is not with us today. He's in, uh, he's on vacation the day we're recording this. So instead, I am being joined by our regular producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. How are you doing, Seth? Doing wonderfully. It is the fall, the, the best time of year for us as creepy people, but in particular for this podcast, because we get to play all the fun, creepy stuff. That's right. So yeah, we're doing uh, horror movies all month on Weird House Cinema. We're talking about weird topics as we usually do on uh, on our regular core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays all month. But Seth, since you're, uh, I mean, I, we all love music here, but you especially are a music guy. I figured it would be a good way to kick off today's episode to ask you what you are are spinning on the record player this month. What what is uh, what are some of your favorite seasonal Halloween themed albums? I mean, it's 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 a it's a rocky road because a lot of it is geared towards children. There are a lot of like novelty children's yeah. Halloween albums, and most of them are actually not very good. You know, like it's it's kind of a yeah. a, a garbage pile more or less. Like if you ever actually take the time to listen to the the actual Monster Mash album by Bobby Boris Pickett, it's not a very good album. You could, of course, the Monster Mash is beloved. We all love that song. The album. 
Not so much. You know, it's a what, single. What, what are the B-sides on the Monster Mash? Oh, my gosh. Are they're, they all monster-themed? Not only are they monster-themed, but they are, like, woefully uninformed about what a monster even is. Like, it starts talking oh. about, like, the details of, like, Frankenstein's monster or the Wolfman. And, like, the little, you know, the little the little things that we all know as monster aficionados are all just false. Like, like what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, who they are as human beings. Is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde actually the Wolfman? man like they just don't actually clearly bobby boris pickett had a hit with the monster mash and then just filled in the rest of the album with a bunch of garbage they made up like in a week so uh-huh. it's that kind of thing so, so so there's a lot of that kind of stuff out there but there's some great stuff too uh both both uh like fun nostalgic and modern day um I'll, I'll give you one of each, okay? Because uh, this okay. month, uh, if, if the listener doesn't know, I, I host uh, a music podcast in my spare time called uh, Rusty Needles Record Club. Look it up wherever you find uh, you know, your podcasts. But this month, of course, October, we're doing what all great spooky people do. We're doing four spooky albums throughout the month of October because we're a weekly podcast. So uh-huh. the best Halloween album of all time it's a bit contentious because there are multiple versions of it, but any version you find will be a pretty good version. It's called Forgotten Freakouts, Lost Halloween Hits, 1954 through 1977. Okay? I love it already. It's so good. Everything is like a real like Dr. Demento, like surf rock nostalgia hit. Everything is like a parody. Everything is like, um, it's it's a novelty. Everything is a novelty song, but it all has that kind uh-huh. of like integrity of just something that's lasted throughout the years. A lot of surf rocky stuff, a lot of like, a lot of kitsch, a lot of kitsch. Uh, that's the best one by far. Uh, I see. Hold on now. I, I see tracks by Lee Christofferson. Is that brother of Chris or uh, no relation? Do you Couldn't happen to tell know? you? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Okay. What about but, uh-huh. secondly? There's a secondly. What about Lee the Big Masher Lily? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, aren't these names amazing? <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I would say. Uh, nearly every single one of these artists, I have no idea who they are. Nearly every single one of them must be just a forgotten one-hit wonder, if these were even uh. hits. I, I can't even begin to tell you, but um, they're, they're here. They're here and they're great. Is, <laughs> is the Big Masher a play on the Big Bopper? I'm sure, right? It had yeah. to have been. It had to have been like a joke or something. <laughs> so it's like a hello, baby, but the call is coming from Dracula. Right, right. Yeah, d- yeah. D- done with the Bella Lugosi voice. <laughs> nice. That's fun. <laughs> well, okay, uh, I got to listen to this one uh, as soon as we finish recording here. It's a good one. And now, now, yeah, keep an eye out for it. Because I know, like, for example, the version on Spotify is missing a lot of tracks. And then, like, the version I got, I got off Bandcamp years ago. I know there are physical cassettes of this. Just keep your eye out. It's the best compilation I've come across. Do your best to find the full version, listening audience, okay? Now, let's bring this modern. Modern. Have you ever heard of a band called the Marshmallow Ghosts? No, I haven't. The Marshmallow Ghosts is so, so good. What it is. So uh, actually, this is somewhat local to you, Joe. Uh, You live in Atlanta, Georgia. Over Mm -hmm. in Savannah, uh, there's a a record label called uh, Graveface Records. It is founded and run by Ryan Graveface of Black Moth Super Rainbow. Okay. Uh, okay. Next next time you're in Savannah, make sure you go there, Joe, because next door is like a like spooky house of mysterious museum stuff, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, 
mermaids, these like Fiji mermaids, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like real yeah. Ripley's Believe It or Not, P.T. Barnum type stuff, you know? So anyway. It's, oh yeah, that's the zone. Exactly. So, so, so anyway, Ryan Graveface is just a cool dude who runs a cool label and he has many bands, but one of them is an annual Halloween themed band called the Marshmallow Ghosts, where every year they, they pick a new theme, they have like a new release method, they do like just a, a, a weird little thing every year. Uh, this year, I've already pre-ordered their record. This year, it's all about H.H. Holmes, so that'll be fun, you know? Uh, we're, mm. re- we're reviewing their 2021 this year on my podcast. That one was called The Witching Hour. The theme of that one was there's a woman hosting a radio show, and like I think it's her either her, her ex-wife or her ex-girlfriend. What, or I, they died, so I don't know if that counts as ex. Whatever. Their former wife or former girlfriend who died keeps calling into the radio show, but this woman's just still trying to do her job and play music. So it's like a little radio play, but also with new music peppered in throughout by the Marshmallow Ghosts and others. Like it's it's just cool stuff like that. So check out Graveface Records in particular. Check out the Marshmallow Ghosts. Nice. Oh, and, and I guess lastly, check out Rusty Needles Record Club because that's where I'll be talking about these things if you like talking about music or hearing about music. Rusty Needles Record Club. It's a great show. I, I myself may pop on there uh, in, in the near future. You've been on there in the past. And yeah, we hope to get you uh, on again very soon. All right, Seth, you ready to talk some stuff to blow your mind, listener mail? Definitely. Okay, this first message really got my hopes up. It it ultimately uh, turned out to be a complete bust, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, and I really appreciate this listener uh, getting in touch anyway. So, uh, recently, Rob and I did a couple of episodes about Elf Shot. Uh, these are very much in the seasonal October vein because Elf Shot was a folk belief that used to be found, especially in the British Isles, and the belief was that livestock and sometimes people would become ill or they would even die or they would experience mysterious pains because they had been attacked with supernatural weapons by the invisible folk such as fairy darts or elf arrows And one of the sources we looked at was a 1956 article in the journal Antiquity by an author named Thomas Davidson, which collected a bunch of alleged cures for Elfshot. And one of these cures was sourced to the Shetland Islands, and it read as follows, quote, A variant prescription from the same area directs the wise woman to take tar, a needle, a Bible, a firebrand, and some fairy crabs. Waving the burning brand, she walked three times Wittershins, meaning counterclockwise, around the cow, jabbing the animal with the needle, waving a leaf of the Bible over its back and muttering an incantation. The firebrand was placed in a pot of tar and set at the cow's head so that the fumes would make her cough. She was then given the fairy crabs to eat alive. The ashes of the firebrand were later mixed with the tar into three pills, which were administered to the animal on three successive mornings. Now, Rob and I were unable 
to figure out what the, quote, fairy crabs referenced in this cure actually were. Uh, Were they literally some type of crab? Is this just a cute name for some other kind of animal or object? There is actually a species of crustacean that is sometimes called a fairy crab, but that seems to be in 21st century sources, and it cannot be what the source is talking about. For one thing, because it's native to the opposite side of the world. It's a Pacific uh, squat lobster around Australia and Indonesia. And also, I think uh, the, the appellation there is much later than this folk belief. So we were asking listeners, does anybody have any idea what the Shetland Islands fairy crab might be? All of that to set up that listener Carl wrote in with what at first looked like a very promising solution to our question. So Carl says, Dear Robin Joe, while listening to Elfshot Part 2, I paused to find the attached search result, which seems to indicate that fairy crabs are some sort of insect found on the underside of leaves. And then Carl attached some search results for us. Uh, Now, the actual text appearing in the Google search preview here was very promising because it sounded like a scientific description of an animal, including a very uh, official sounding Latin scientific name for the species. And it's an animal, as said by uh, Carl, uh, described as spending the majority of its life on the ground uh, that roams around in behavior similar to a tiger beetle. Now, this was very exciting because it, it did look legitimate at first until you look at the domain that this result is coming from, and it was DeviantArt.com. Yeah. At, at what point did you realize the uh, the URL there? When did that well, know, pop, pop, the, pop the balloon of your hopes? <laughs> well, my hopes were still up because I was like, okay, uh, this is a DeviantArt post that's referencing something I could look up elsewhere. Okay, right, right. So I wanted still to click through reality. to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then find the, the, like, the scientific name of this animal and then search for it in other sources and see mm-hmm. w- w- what's out there. Uh, and yet I didn't really find anything right. when I tried that. Uh, I tried some other search terms and uh, I, I, I kept going, still thinking maybe there was something here. But unfortunately, I realized that this is really the only source for this information. And it appears to be some user-generated content on DeviantArt, which as best I can tell is some type of fictional uh, bestiary or fictional animal taxonomy that includes scientific sounding names and scientific sounding descriptions, except uh, with some cryptic references to obviously uh, some kind of fantasy context. Like it says that this animal inhabits the barren lands. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> so I, I think this is this is just somebody creating some kind of fun fictional world, but it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Seth. I, I don't remember if you were actually on the show at this point, so this may be before your time. But it reminds me of when we were covering uh, the invention of cinema and Louis Le Prince, who was uh, an inventor of an alternate early form of of moving pictures, uh, uh, alternate to Edison's method, and we we came across this what originally looked like a historical paper, but in fact, I think was actually a fictional found document that was purporting to uncover Thomas Edison confessing in a diary entry to the murder of Louis Le Prince. Right. And this, this fictional art, I don't think it was a hoax. I think it was intentionally meant to be a piece of fiction right. to be understood as such, but it was not labeled that way. And so I think people got confused to the extent that some good looking kind of serious articles about Le Prince reported the plot of this fictional document as fact. 
that, that that's a hard part about uh, creating uh, historical fiction at all, just period, full stop, is that sometimes you're too convincing. And sometimes people yeah. don't understand things like satire and, and they can't figure it out. I mean, that's the same reason why so many news sources accidentally, um, you know, make, make their reference back to The Onion just because they don't know. Yeah. They can't figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. And, and, you know, I'm looking at these drawings for all not just the fairy crab, but for the orc crab and the elf crab and the goblin <laughs> crab. And I have to say, like, clearly these are done, you know, quickly with like a, a like rough hand, more or less. But the, they're like, it's not like a child's drawing. They took the time to like get the, the proper number of legs. They took the time to make them, you know, bilateral symmetry, you know, <laughs> like they they they. they, they they clearly have something that they're going for with this. So I, I commend them on their effort, you know? Yeah. Congratulations to DeviantArt user, uh, the Siren Lord. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for, uh, exactly. For some, <laughs> some, some convincing world building. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, do appreciate the message, Carl, even though this didn't pan out. Uh, the, it does seem like the fairy crab mystery remains. It's good to know that other people are considering the fairy crab. That perhaps someone else went down the yeah. same train of thought that we're going through now, which is, wow, I heard this word. What could it possibly mean? And perhaps they also couldn't find any information, so they had to craft it themselves. You know, that, that is the way a yeah. lot of mythology continues, is just a lack of information and then filling in your own gaps. And then someone else goes, oh, that's plausible. And then it becomes canon, you know? So <laughs> yeah, maybe this is the birth of that. All right, uh, I'm ready to move on to this message from Matt about cattle mutilation. Are you ready, Seth? Most definitely. All right, uh, Matt, this this listener has written several times before to talk about uh, or to speak from personal experience about topics related to farming and ranching. And so Matt says, good day, fellas. Loved the cattle mutilation episode. <laughs> Love an opener like that. Thought I would add a few thoughts from an agricultural perspective. I've seen many of the visuals described in the episode and can confirm predators play a big role. In the avian realm, corvids, meaning ravens and crows, do play a significant part, and one which I don't think the average person quite understands. Here's a couple of examples for you. Both pertain to sheep, but the general idea applies to cattle as well. Warning to the listeners, this will get a little bit grisly for a few paragraphs here. Matt writes, I know some sheep farmers, for example, that have to keep ornaments reminiscent of owls and other species at the entrances to their barns because if they don't, ravens will fly in and kill their lambs by pecking out their eyes. Further feasting commences from there, if there's time, but they always go for the eyes first. It's pretty metal. (laughs) Similarly, I've talked to sheep farmers in Ireland who lose full-grown sheep to predatory birds. It happens in part because sheep become immobilized when on their backs. You might have seen this if you've ever watched somebody shear a sheep's wool. If they fall over or misstep on the mountain or pasture for whatever reason, or become immobilized for another reason, the birds will go straight for the exposed soft tissues. This includes the inner thigh and gut, by which the birds peck their way into the fallen animal's innards. Nasty stuff. Wow. Although cattle are much larger, calves can be particularly vulnerable to these kinds of things, particularly if they become immobilized for many of the reasons previously discussed. But, in general, these things can happen to livestock of all kinds and sizes. 
I can also confirm that bloating can create clean looking tears slash slice like damage to flesh. Like a lot of these things, bloating is something which also freaks people out if they're not familiar with the physiological process, though it is generally unpleasant for just about anyone. You can see why a bloated bovine with its legs sticking out at odd angles, a rupture here and there, and a clean cut on the belly does look pretty odd. I'm sure a few cattle mutilation calls were made by folks who were less than experts. Anyway, just a bit of my own experience. Nothing more surgical than a hungry corvid, Matt. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Thanks for sharing your experience, Matt. Yeah, one thing I wonder about, uh, so, you know, we did the episode on the cattle mutilation panic of the 70s, and then we did the movie The Return, which is a, you know, a fictional thriller about aliens and cattle mutilation. And one of the things we saw in the movie, at least, was that the rancher was the one who was saying, I, you know, I've never seen uh, a cow that looked like this. This is, you know, completely out of the ordinary. Animals couldn't have done this to it. Uh, but I wonder if it was often actually people with a lot of agricultural re- experience who were relaying the reports that allegedly happened in the 70s. I wonder if sometimes it was like the cop who arrived on the scene mm. who put together the report that ends up sounding really crazy to somebody. And also, uh, you mentioned in that episode that a lot of the cattle mutilation happened on the smaller farms, not on the larger farms. So yeah. That might have something to do with it, too, just like the law of averages. If you have 10 cows, you may never see certain rarer, you know, uh, uh, horrible diseases that can attack your cows. But if you run a large, you know, cattle ranch that has thousands upon thousands of cows, I bet you've actually seen a little bit of everything. Like when you come across yeah. this, it's like, oh, I know what this is. I saw this once before. So so that, that might have something to do with it, too. It's just pure law of averages versus a small cattle ranch and an enormous, you know, cattle ranch. That's a really good point, yeah. But as always, Matt, thank you for providing the agricultural perspective and for letting us know once again just how sick the Corvids are. (laughs) Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. All right, this next message is in response to a somewhat older episode. Uh, it was the series we did called The Lesser of Two Crab Claws, which was about asymmetry in animal bodies. And this is from Morgan. Morgan says, Hi, Robert and Joe. Longtime listener Morgan here, and I've been catching up on my backlog of podcasts. Started maternity leave, so I've thankfully been blowing through a large chunk of it during the day while my older one is at daycare and my husband works. Parentheses, baby hasn't come yet. I just listened to the series on biological asymmetry, which included your annotation about cilia. And as a, a brief reminder here, the context was that cilia are these tiny hair-like filaments that line the surfaces of some cells in our bodies. And one of the ideas we talked about in that episode was how cilia can create currents in the fluid surrounding cells 
and how the role of cilia in early embryonic development, maybe in creating, in guiding the current of fluid moving around the developing embryo, may have something to do with the link between having typically functioning cilia and having the common asymmetrical arrangement of internal organs, you know, with the heart on the left and the liver on the right and so forth, and how there are conditions where if your cilia seems to function atypically or to be damaged in some way, this can lead to having your internal organs swapped to the other side. So Morgan continues, when you were talking about the functionality of cilia and a recessive human trait of Cartaginer syndrome and how oftentimes people diagnosed with this syndrome have organs flipped, it made me have to stop and rewind and listen again. I have a brother who was born very premature and as a baby and young boy was very medically involved. From what I've been told uh, through my mom's journey as my brother's medical advocate, I've learned that part of why my brother was so medically complicated was the cilia in his lungs, pushing mucus from respiratory illnesses down instead of up and out, causing severe pneumonia regularly and eventual deterioration of his respiratory cilia. Along with the complications of his premature birth, respiratory illnesses, as well as open-heart surgery in his youth, my family also learned that my brother's internal anatomy is completely reversed, including how his blood flows, uh, parentheses, inversus totalis. Wow. When my brother has had the heartbeat leads connected to him in a medical setting, if the healthcare professional does not know of this internal trait, his heartbeat on the monitor will read upside down. However, if the leads are reversed on the machine, it will appear normal. Now, as he is an adult, his health has improved, and treatment of illnesses is relatively minor compared to how things were when he was younger. I will probably have to explain to doctors in the future my brother's medical idiosyncrasies because of his rare and unique medical history as he gets older, but until then, it's just a random weird fact that I know about him. Thank you for the interesting podcast, and keep up with the topics that keep me engaged. Sincerely, Morgan. That's wonderfully fascinating, and I, I can't yeah. imagine... I, like how many situations that must come up in when it creates just kind of like, you know, little things like, you know, for, from something as simple as just, you know, checking your blood pressure all the way up to like, oh, no, I have to get my appendix removed. I need to really assure my doctor <laughs> where it is in yeah. my body. Like what a wild yeah. set of like strange complications that must create for you, you know? Yeah. Though Morgan, definitely glad to hear uh, his uh, his health has improved since he's gotten older. For sure. And I'm, I'm glad that it seems like there are workarounds for this, like, like putting the leads yeah. on backwards and stuff like that. That's really fascinating to me. Yeah. So thanks for getting in touch, Morgan. Uh, okay. A couple of messages about gimbals. One of them comes from Eric. Eric says, greetings, gentlemen. I really enjoyed your episode about gimbals. Uh, there was one really fascinating use of gimbals that is an obscure but important part of the Apollo program, the Lunar Lander Test Vehicle. Uh, I think I've also seen this called the Lunar Lander Research Vehicle. Uh, Eric says, this was basically a tube frame lunar lander shaped vehicle with a turbojet engine on a gimbal. The jet engine was on a gimbal to provide a constant downward thrust of about five sixths of G, uh, meaning standard uh, acceleration due to Earth's gravity, to make the vehicle behave as if it was in the one sixth uh, of G 
of lunar surface gravity. So does that make sense? If, if the moon has one sixth of earth's gravity, if you provide down thrust uh, of an acceleration, creating five sixths worth of uh, earth's gravity, then it will be like simulating being on the surface of the moon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At least okay. for the, this, this test vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. But of course you would have to mount the engine so that it's down thrust was always aimed straight toward the earth's center of mass. Right. So like if you slightly moved over, it wouldn't be thrusting diagonal to, to earth's center of mass. You know, I feel like there were dozens of, you know, very early, like eight bit video games all about creating that thrust to try and like land like a lunar vehicle. And they definitely did not have any gimbals in those video games. It would have made them much easier. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, Eric goes on saying it was built to allow the astronauts to practice landing on the moon. Uh, and then he mentions an incident where in one of these vehicles, Neil Armstrong had to eject once to avoid uh, to avoid a crash, uh, but that he still claimed it was a vital part of training for lunar landing. Hmm. Uh, I, I thought you might appreciate this weird but super cool use of gimbals. Have a great one, Eric. That is that is interesting. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, this next message about gimbals is in response to our discussion about a device described in an ancient text called On Machines by the Greek author named uh, Athenaeus Mechanicus, who probably lived in the first century BCE. And the device in this text is described as some kind of suspension system for siege weaponry at sea. So you would have uh, siege weaponry of some kind that was on a ship or maybe being carried between ships. Uh, and it was suspended somehow in this, uh, in this device called the Pythekion, which translates to little ape and somewhat mimics a gimbal. And we were wondering why it would be called the little ape. Well, listener Christian wrote in with an interesting guess. Christian says, Sailors would occasionally capture monkeys or apes. If given freedom to roam the ship, these arboreal creatures would naturally be seen swinging from the rigging. It seems logical to me that sailors would make the connection between the motion of a swinging ape and the motion of an early gimbal, especially if the gimbal was suspended by ropes. Interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I wonder how pronounced that uh, practice actually was, because I think, I, I, you know, obviously we've seen like films and books that have that kind of leftover, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies had a little monkey, the, uh, uh -huh. I believe its name was like Jack Sparrow Jr. or something. Um, what, really? Yeah, I, I think oh, also, um, yeah, the Pippi Longstocking books and movies also had a Mr. Nielsen uh, little monkey. So, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Like, like I, I know the trope for sure. I wonder how accurate that that really was was, but it makes perfect sense that it is accurate. Well, I'm trying to think of other ancient evidence for sailors taking monkeys on ships. I mean, I think about how when we did the episode on the the uh, the Tempest Stone, the, um, the ancient Egyptian inscription that has been alleged or at least argued by some scholars to describe weather and atmospheric phenomena related to the volcanic eruption at Thera around 1600 BCE, mm -hmm. uh, also known as the Minoan eruption. Uh, so in that episode, we were talking about the, uh, some of the leftovers, the ruins of the civilization that existed at, uh, at, at Thera also uh, today known as Santorini. And one of the places there is uh, is a place where it has been uh, a, like an ancient building has been uncovered. And on the wall, there are these paintings of monkeys 
that hmm. are very accurate monkeys. And I remember that this at least suggested some kind of situation of monkeys being brought on ships to these islands in the Aegean. You know, and that one word you said there, very accurate monkeys, because I think that's actually a very important part of like ancient art is like you can use that as a, like a d- determination whether or not this artist has only heard of this th- creature or the, whether yeah. they've actually seen it. Because, man, there is nothing more wonderful than having an artist draw a horse that's never seen a horse. Wonderful. Or a giraffe <laughs> or a rhinoceros yeah. or yeah, rhinoceros, a, an elephant. You can find these pictures all over the place. Ancient artists who have never actually seen yep. the animal they're depicting is a is a very fun rabbit hole to go down. The Albrecht Dürer illustration of the rhinoceros really stands out in <laughs> right. my mind where it looks like a some kind of armored vehicle. I mean, and, and it makes sense too. Like if, if I had if I had never seen an armadillo and someone describes it to me and they're like, draw that, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> We're gonna have a very strange little monster here, you know? Because in your imagination, it definitely turns monstrous more than anything else, you know? Okay, Seth, you ready to talk a little bit of Weird House Cinema? For sure. All right, a couple of messages here. The first one is from Mike. Subject line, October Weird House Request. Mike says, hey, Robin Joe, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. That's the opening sentence. I feel this is a bloated treasure trove of weird Halloween goodness. You guys have made mention of this film here and there across the span of Weird House. While it might not be weird enough for inclusion, I'm certain you guys can find plenty of fodder to make it so. (laughs) Hey, we've got John Saxon in this one, not to mention Zsa Zsa Gabor, Dick Cavett, and Frank Darabont. Uh, Darabont of The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption, and most recently notable Walking Dead screenwriting fame. Mike. Well, Mike, I I don't know if we'll do that on Weird House, but we did directly cover uh, Nightmare 3, Dream Warriors, one time when I was a guest on Movie Crush with Chuck Bryant. Uh, Seth, do you have thoughts on Dream Warriors? I think it's wonderful. I think it is perhaps peak Nightmare on Elm Street, perhaps. I mean, you know, I I think it actually depends on your mood. If you're in the mood for Mm -hmm. a creepier Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one is actually really solid for that. There, there are there isn't really much humor yet. But but if you're if you're looking for like the goofy Freddy Krueger, I mean, Dream Warriors is probably the peak of that in every every fun way. You know, I think much like when people think about Jason Voorhees mm. even though he appears technically in all of the Friday the 13th movies they're thinking of the Jason Voorhees probably in like part 7 or 8 i would yeah. guess you're right like, like they're probably thinking of the Kane Hodder version of Jason yeah. yeah and so we had the same actor playing Freddy Krueger through all the nightmare movies but Freddy is presented differently in these different movies and i think when people think of uh, Freddy Krueger, they're mainly thinking of part three. Uh, speaking of ostension, uh, Dream Warriors part three is like the example of Freddy Krueger that people think of as most characteristic of the character. Yeah. And I, actually, I think that's one reason why people were so down on the Jackie Earl Haley version of Freddy Krueger was that mm, he was yeah. definitely depicting, you know, part one Freddy, which really isn't yeah. funny. It's it's more sinister. It's much more creepy, you know, than anything else. So, you know, thankfully we have both. <laughs> so if you want creepy Freddy, you got it. If you want fun-loving, campy, pun-making Freddy, you got that too. And it has the Dokken song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's it's it's very much um inspired by its its decade like it, it's the most 80s tastic not just mm. of any of the, of the nightmare on elm streets but perhaps just of any <laughs> 80s yeah. horror film like it's it's extremely 80s and in, in in a fun way so yeah no i i like that one quite a bit it's probably it's it's definitely one of my favorites if not my actual favorites of the nightmare series yeah Oh, but 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 to put a put, put a cap on that, I think you should cover it for Weird House because I think we should do everything for Weird House because <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like it's it's not quite strange enough. I, the, you, you, the the writer is correct. You you and Rob are correct, but it's still fun and fun is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know if we have a necessary like bar for strangeness to make it onto the show. I mean, yeah, criteria are pretty loose. One more message to close us out today. This is from Matt, a different Matt than the earlier message. Matt says, good morning team. I have to say that I still get locked up whenever I hear the word phantasm simply because my dad thought it was a great idea to have me watch it when I was three, three. in the theaters. <laughs> no, I, I almost doubt this story. Well, I mean, I, the, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll just wait to hear the rest of the message, but three okay. is shocking. <laughs> three in theaters in theaters. Okay. Uh, Matt says this goes in line with him dragging me to the theaters when I was 10 to see aliens parentheses, a great birthday present in hindsight, but for a 10 year old me terrifying, right? Uh, even seeing the ball floating through the air still gives me an eye twitch. Ah, hooray for bad late seventies, early eighties parenting styles. <laughs> As an aside, uh, now you might remember in the Phantasm episode, Rob and I had a particular fixation on the character of Reggie Bannister, who is a is about as cool a cat as you can imagine. But we were trying to describe his hairstyle, which is uh, bald on top with the horseshoe going around the sides, and then a ponytail in back. That's a, that's a plot twist. Um, so Matt says, as an aside, I believe the term for Reggie's hair is called the skullet skullet popularized by Devin Townsend, who is a Canadian metal musician. If you're not familiar, Matt says, while Reggie would have nothing on Devin, it is still something used in regular conversation here today, at least on the central coast of California. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a little bit of the old lockup. I needed to keep sharp for an interview later today. All the best, Matt. <laughs> uh, so I looked up some images to compare them. I see what you're saying, Matt. Yeah, both bald on top, long in back. Oh, I think we I described it as... Um, Closed for business in front, party in back. Yes, an excellent description. And and I can actually see that in the central Californian coast where it's um I would bet there are a lot of people, uh let let let's focus on uh people with uh, male pattern baldness that kick in, where they have spent the majority of their lives with long, luxurious, hippie-like hair. And then mm -hmm. suddenly the male pattern baldness horseshoe kicks in and what, they're going to change? No, <laughs> they're not sellouts, man. <laughs> you know, they've, they're they 100% in on this lifestyle and they're keeping their long flowing locks. And, uh, you know, friends don't let friends get haircuts. That's, that's just the right. way it is. <laughs> this ponytail's hot as love, you know. <laughs> Absolutely hot as love. Every time I hear that line, um, I try to figure out what his intention is behind that. And I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. I guess he just means good, I guess. Unless unless I think you mentioned this in the episode, unless that's the band name. I don't I don't know. Yeah. 
It's great. So, so you got, you got, let, let's get your music reviewer's opinion <sighs> sitting here at midnight. What yeah, do you think? I think it's great. <laughs> I really do. I really do think it's great. It's, it's, it's your favorite song. It's so ridiculous, but it, it, it does. It makes me think of a lot of things. It makes me think uh-huh. of, cause you know, when you grow up, cause, cause you know, I'm a musician, you're a musician, you, you grow up, you know, knowing lots of musicians and just that person sitting on their front porch with their guitar plugged yep. into an amp and just serenading the neighborhood and part yeah, of you on the is front just, porch it's just like shut up shut up but with the I, and i love the transition from it being this very lazy blues lick over a kind of mm-hmm. i don't even know what style you'd call that you know easy listening blues rock kind of thing but then when he comes in with the acoustic guitar and they go oh <laughs> play the riff yeah. that's you can't beat that and it means how many times have they played this before so many times because they they they, they yeah. didn't synchronized uh so they knew <laughs> but you know i i love it. it it feels very authentic to annoying musicians on their front porch <laughs> yeah of which i have been I, of which i have been and I, I think all musicians have been <laughs> i think i've been that guy yeah, yeah. All right, I think that does it for this episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind Listener Mail. My regular co-host, Robert Lamb, should be back with us for all new core episodes starting tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, hey, if you're not subscribed to our feed, you got to do that. You got to subscribe to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It's on all the apps and all that stuff. Or you can go to stufftoblowyourmind.com. I think that'll route you to our uh, to our feed through some kind of app. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. heart one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we do listener mail on Mondays. We do core episodes, which tend to be science focused, uh, often kind of interdisciplinary science with history, mythology, other kinds of topics on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Wednesdays, we do a short form episode called the artifact or often the monster fact. And on Fridays, that's just time to have fun. We talk about a weird movie uh, on Weird House Cinema. And then, of course, on Saturdays, that's Vault. Big thank you, Seth, for uh, not only editing this episode, but joining me on mic today. Of course. Happy to be here anytime. If you want to check out Seth's podcast, once again, that is Rusty Needles Record Club. Also, anywhere you get your podcasts? Yep. Everywhere and anywhere. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, you'd like to share something interesting with us, uh, if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. 
but you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 